You are listening to sermons from Church on Bayshore in Niceville, Florida. Our mission is to do whatever it takes to see people believe in Jesus, belong to God's family, and become who God created them to be, impacting the world for Christ. To learn more about our church and to find additional resources, including ways to connect, serve, and give, visit churchonbayshore.org. Good morning. I'm excited to be able to uh, share God's word with you this morning. My name is Ken Hall. Uh, I, I am from Sterling, Massachusetts. If you're a student, normally all our students call me PK, not because I'm a pastor's kid. I'm actually a missionary's kid. Uh, I grew up in the city of Boston, Massachusetts, born and raised and adopted in Massachusetts as well. Uh, My parents are from the Midwest. My parents met at Moody Bible Institute, and my dad was on his way. My dad and mom are on their way to be missionaries in India, and God called them for my dad to go to seminary in Massachusetts, and then they just never left and served 55 years in the same ministry in Boston. uh, God has really given me a a crazy background. It's not a background. It's just where I grew up. So being adopted, I was adopted and my parents don't look like me. My parents are white, and I was, grew up in an all-Latino neighborhood. And I was like, well, what does this mean? Well, it actually, did, what it meant was that God had prepared me to be comfortable in all situations. And so this is where I come to you. I am married. I have, uh, uh, I, now I've moved out of Boston, and I live in a town called Sterling, Massachusetts. It is known for one thing, Mary had a little lamb. It is a, was a real girl, and it is a real place, and she did have a real lamb and brought it to school, and that school still stands today. That's all that you know. That's a true story. Everybody thinks it's a nursery rhyme, but it actually is, a, in fact, true place. Um, we have, a, and I have a, there's a town statue in the middle of town that tells us that, that it's true. Hey, so I grew up in Boston. I'm married. Um, I have a picture. This is my family. Uh, as you, uh, so uh, my wife is next to me. Uh, well, my daughter's next to me. And then, then my wife, then our oldest, uh, that's Lauren. And then, uh, and so then, then we have Caleb and then Asher, and then next to me is my daughter, Naomi, in the Alabama sweatshirt, roll tide, amen. And, uh, uh, but then uh, the other girl is Lauren. She, we adopted her when she was 14 years old. She is now married. Uh, you can see her, that's her and her husband, Mark. And then that sweet, beautiful little girl dressed up as Snow White is my granddaughter, Adeline. And so that is my family. We live in, uh, we live in Massachusetts. I've been at my church, uh, Hope Chapel, uh, for 20 years as their youth pastor. I have students who have students that are in our youth ministry, which is kind of crazy. Uh, the average age of, uh, the average time as a youth pastor is about two to five years. Uh, I've really gone over that. I don't know if they're just waiting to get rid of me or they're just, uh, no, um, God has really called us to really begin to grow New England, which is in dire need of people. Uh, we call ourselves the frozen chosen up in New England. And so uh, this is where God has, has, has called me to be. And I'm excited to be asked to become and share with you this, this morning, um, as I've been able to share with the students over the last couple of days of really what God is calling them to stand 
stand in their faith. One that we, we, we talked on Thursday of, of knowing and being clear. The whole weekend is about clarity, but being having a clear identity of who you are in Christ. And then Saturday morning, we talked about the idea of standing firm in your relationship with God. And then we're calling them on, on, on Saturday night. We asked them, we studied, we've been studying Daniel, where Daniel was a man of integrity, dependency, dependent on God, and really called. When God called, he answered. And this morning's message is, is a little bit different than those. We, we stepped out of the Old Testament and we are moving into the New Testament this morning. And we're talking about a story that many of you have probably heard. Um, and every one of the stories that I sto- uh, shared this, this weekend in Daniel, we sort of twisted it and turned it on its ear and began to look at it from a different perspective. And so we've stepped out of Daniel and moved to the book of Matthew, and we're going to tell us, I'm going to share with you a story that many of you have heard many times, and what we're hoping is that it falls afresh on you and new this morning. So we're going to dive right into God's word. We're in Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. And I'm going to read scripture and and pray. In Matthew chapter 14, verse 22, it reads this. uh, Immediately he made the disciples get into a boat and go before him to the other side. While he dismissed the crowds, after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, He was there alone, but the boat by this time was a long way from the land. Beaten by the waves from the wind, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on water. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. May God add a blessing to the reading of his word. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we come this morning asking for your presence. God, we ask that this morning that as we read scripture, as we hear the words this morning, that it is maybe for some of us, it is something that we may think of as being routine. But God, every time we read the word, if our hearts are in the right place, God, that you will give us new insight. This is what we're praying for this morning as we read this text and learn from it, that God, that the new insight will call us to move in a different direction. That God, it will call us to step from where we are into a different place. 
God, we hope that we will be obedient to when you call, just as Peter is in this passage. Father, I pray as I, I, that I will be obedient to yield to you, that everything that I say will fall to the floor and everything that, you, that is of you will be lifted up, not to glorify any one of us, but to glorify you and only you. God, we give you this morning, we give you this day, and we give you our lives. We honor you and we praise these things in your name, amen. Many of us have heard this story in Matthew chapter 14. We've heard sermons on it, passages on it, maybe heard some, some messages online, some podcasts on this passage of sermon. I'm like, are there any podcast people that like listen to podcasting? Some of you? I am recently, I listen to some podcasts, but I am recently a book on tape person. I don't know what it is. It seems like I can get, I can get into it when I can read books. I'm not a big reader. Just let's say, I read God's word, but besides that, I don't read any books. But since I've been doing, getting some books on, on I've been listening to books, audio, audio book, it's been really changing the way that I think of things. I hear some things that I've heard before, and it falls into the way because maybe I'm not reading it, and I'm hearing it, and I'm learning in a different way. And this is what we're hoping that this passage, even though that's something you've read many of times, that you get it in a different way way. And so, so we hear this passage of scripture in, in a world of tremendous uh, storms that many of us are going through right now in the country that we're going, that we're living in, where you are facing some tremendous storms as followers of Christ. We are being beaten down at every turn and every way that we go, that we are facing some tough times and tough struggles as being a follower of Christ. And if we begin to have this idea of what God is calling us, how to look and keep looking for him in the midst of the storm, what a difference our lives can be. Not only for our families, but for those who we come in contact, our, our, our co-workers or, or those who are in our families. Of, if we were being obedient to God, what difference could it be? No matter what personal storm you're going through, God wants to walk with you through that. Jesus set the disciples out on what should be a quick sail across the lake, but it turns out that, uh, that it's a battle for their lives against the elements. The Bible tells us that, the, that they started their journey around 8 p.m. and continued all night long. The disciples were in the boat struggling against the wind and the rain. These are not just any people. These are fishermen. These are people who know about storms and how to be able to sail and navigate I spent time in my own life in the service with the United States Coast Guard. And we, our job as it is, we are aides to navigation. That's our, that's sort of our model and what we're supposed to be doing as, as aides to navigation. And that's part of what we do is we make sure that, people, that the boats can go where they need to go when they need to go there. And so, but here's these disciples that are fishermen and they know exactly where they need to go, but they can't get where they need to be. How many of us ever, that's our lives. We know where we need to go, but we don't know, we can't get where we want to be or where we need to be because of all the things that are, that are coming at us. We're busy with life and so we know we need to do some things, but we can't do it because we have other things that we have to take care of or other things that are holding us back from living the potential that we think that we, we, we have inside of us, but we're not being able to do it because we're busy doing other things. This is the disciples in the midst of this boat. They find themselves not only at 9 o'clock, but at 10 o'clock. 
not only at 10 o'clock, but 11 o'clock, not only at 11 o'clock, but at midnight, not at midnight, at one, at two, and then again at three o'clock, and still there are no signs of the storm stopping. Some of us live that life. We do not see an end to the storm. They are tired, they are wet, hungry, and grumpy. The Bible does not say, but we can only imagine. We know the disciples. They were thinking, why did Jesus send us out on the boat and he's not in the boat with us? What is he thinking? They know just just about a month prior, Jesus had calmed the storms and they're saying, if Jesus was only here, there would be no storm. But yet he sent us out and here we are struggling against the elements. They found themselves in the midst of the storm and, and, Jesus, and Jesus shows up walking on the water and it appears to them. And this story of Jesus walking on water appears in, the, in, in three of the four gospels in Matthew, Mark, and John. But only in Matthew do we learn that Peter also walked on water. How crazy must it have been to witness this scene to see Jesus who shows up and they think it's a ghost They don't know what it is. You know, as humans, we're like paddle faster in the opposite direction. (laughs) I don't know what that is, and I don't want to know what it is. And so they find themselves paddling, and Jesus calls out to them, and it's called out to them. And here's the thing. Peter answered the call. Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it's you, command me to come out onto the water. And he said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He reached out and said, God, Jesus, Lord, save me. And Jesus immediately reached his hand out and took him hold of him saying, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt And when he got out of the boat, the wind ceased, and those around worshiping him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. This passage of Scripture comes from theologians. Many many of them have criticized Peter at that moment for having no faith or little faith. Here's the thing about some theologians, all the theologians that are criticizing Peter. They criticize him for having a lack of faith, but I have yet to see any of those critics repeat the feat that Peter did at that moment. Examining Peter walking on water as a response to Jesus walking on water, we can learn a couple of things. That walking on water changes lives. Stepping out, on, stepping out of the boat can change some things. But there's a process for us to do that. There's an obedience. There's an understanding that God is in control and not ourselves. And that's hard to take sometimes. And so this morning, I want to share a couple of those thoughts with you very quickly. It says the number one thing is that a life of faith is inherently a life of risk. If we're going to be followers of Christ, we need to understand that we are risk takers as being a follower of Christ. Because God is going to call us to some places that we don't want to go. Being a follower of Christ means that it's going to be risky. I tell you this because the world does not want to hear it. And they are doing everything in their power right now, right at this moment, 
to shut us down. I shared that in the first service that I am not allowed on some school grounds in our community. If there's no student who invites me, or if there is no uh, teacher that's on staff that puts me in, I can't be on grounds at a public school in our, in our community. That is a fact. I shared with our students that see you at the poll, our, our rally, at a school of 2,400, uh, we had two students, and they were both from our church. At a school of 1,400, which was one of the largest ones this last year, we had 15 students who would pray. They are facing some difficult times. We have kids that are getting kicked out of school for saying that I believe in creation over evolution. It may not be here, but it's coming. And we need to be on guard, trusting that this is where God is. Being a follower of Christ is inheriting a, a life of risk. Not a, not a risk meaning that it's, it's a risky choice, but knowing that it's going to be difficult and troubling. The first thing we need to look at is look for Jesus and keep looking for Jesus. Although the storm surrounded Peter and Peter looked at Jesus and the only problem is that he stopped looking at Jesus. The principle is clear, especially when life has, tremendous, has tons of storms. Look for Jesus and keep looking for Jesus. What sometimes we miss at the beginning of this story is this, is that when Peter calls out to Jesus in the middle of the storm, the Bible does not say that when he saw Jesus, the storm was over. It was still raging. The boat was being tossed and the wind and the rain was still happening. Peter is locked on Jesus. How many of us are waiting for the storm to settle before we begin to call on Jesus? So many of us, we are doers. We want to fix things. I am not a fixer. I'm going to be honest. I know enough to, to get myself into trouble, but I am not a fixer. I can't fix a whole lot, but I, my wife says, you know a guy that can do just about anything. Yes, I am not a fixer, but I know a guy. But here's the thing is that many of us in our own lives, we are fixers. There are moms in this, in this place that are fixed. They can fix anything. They, you know, the kid come, your, your child may come when they have a broken arm and bleed. They can fix that. They also can fix the laundry machine that does not work. We have dads that can fix all these things. And because of who we are, we want to be independent and we want to fix things to make them right. Here's the problem with that is there is no dependency on God in those situations. We have forgotten God in the mix because we want to fix things, especially when it becomes to emotional stuff. We want to fix our things right before we, hey, I can't, hey, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll come to God when I get things settled. Here's the thing. God's asking for you to come broken. God's asking for you to come with, so that he can fix it. Because if we try to fix it, we'll never be done. That honey to do list will be longer and longer if we try to do it on our own. God's saying, come to me broken so I can fix you. Stop trying to do it on your own because you keep messing it up. Trying to fix it your way. God has called us to 
be dependent on him. Jesus commands us to obey. When Jesus commands you to obey, uh, uh, we need to obey. Jesus told Peter, come to him on the water, even though it made no sense. Peter did exactly what Jesus said. This, was, this is what obedience looks like. Man, we, don't, we struggle with that. As a parent, I know my kids struggle with being obedient. Hey, can you do this? Yes, I will do it on my time. How many times have your said, kids said yes and forgotten? Yeah, will you take out the trash? Yes, yes, I got it. They're usually on a device of some sort. And uh, I said, hey, will you fix that? Yes, will you go take the trash out? Yes, yes, yes. Saturday, then the next morning, Monday morning rolls around. They're on the bus at 6.30 and they've forgotten to take out the trash. Many of us are the same way in our relationship with God. Hey, will you fix that? God's calling you to fix that. Yes, yes. Hey, will you do this for me? Yes, yes, yes. Oh, I'm a little bit busy and I forgot. We didn't do it inherently because we, we, we wanted to disobey, but we did it because we, we, we did what we wanted to do, not what God has called us to do. Here's this act that Peter does. Jesus calls to Peter as a, and his act of, of obedience as he steps out into the water. Is there a, Peter obeys, is there a, is, and I asked this morning, is there, a, is there something in your life where God is calling you to obey and yet you are disobeying, not because you, you want to say no to God, but because it does not fit in your agenda or in your timeline? Some of you need to look in your own lives, and we do all the time, have to look in our lives and say, hey, God, is there something in my life that I'm not doing that you're calling me to do? And I'm disobeying you, not because I've put my agenda before your agenda. And this is what happens with Peter. Peter, Jesus calls to Peter, and he does exactly that. Jesus calls out to him, and he responds. We can't miss that Jesus calls out to Peter, and he says, take courage. Do not be afraid. Hey, this is what God's call for you is to take courage when I ask you to do something. No, and do not be afraid of what I'm asking you to do. It may seem crazy, but I'm asking you to step out in faith. This phrase that Jesus calls out to Peter, this I, I he, says, he says, take courage and do not be afraid. It is I, this I, this I, is the Greek version of God saying in Exodus chapter 3, verse 14, this is the name that is I am. Jesus links himself to the God of the Old Testament that miraculously delivered his people over and over again. This is the same I am, the God I am, is the same that delivered the Jews out of Egypt. It is not Jesus just saying, hey, it's me, I'm not a ghost, come out onto the water. No, this is Jesus, this is the Lord God of the universe. I that created the wind, I that created the waves, I that sent this storm, and it is I, the Lord, who tells you to come out onto the water. When Jesus calls you, you better obey. When Jesus says walk, you better walk. Peter asked, Peter was asked and he got what he wanted. Peter asked, God, hey, can you do, do you want me to, can I come out? And Jesus says, come on out. God says, come on out. Sometimes when God asks us to, when you ask God for something and he answers it, we still want to make sure that it's okay. How many of us are tipping our, our, our toe into faith? 
God, hey, we asked God to do this. Well, let me just make sure it's all right. Let me put my big toe in and that's it. Hey, God, can you give me another answer? Let me just make sure. I just want to make sure. God's calling us to active and obedience is an act of immediacy of when he calls us that we answer in the response that only can come with yes. Not with when I'm ready. No, but yes, Peter has asked God to come out into the water and he does. He doesn't say, Peter doesn't say this. Peter says, Jesus, can you come a little bit closer to maybe make sure that it's you, not a ghost? No, when Jesus calls, he knows his voice. That's because Peter has a relationship with God and he knows Jesus' voice. Man, some of us are struggling with understanding when Jesus calls us to do something is because we have not spent enough time in God's word to know when God calls us that we know God's voice sounds like. Are you struggling to hear God's voice this morning? Peter comes out onto the water and he steps out onto the boat and he realizes a couple of things. The boat's rocking in all craziness and all different ways. He, and the wind is blowing and it's a tough time and it's a tough time and he's finding himself and struggling on the boat and Jesus comes out. He says, come and walk on this crazy storm with me. And Peter's response is this. He steps out of the boat and because he realizes one thing. It's better to be on the water in the midst of a storm with Jesus than on a sinking ship by himself. And how many of us are struggling to step out into faith and that we're on that sinking ship because of all the things of this world that are hitting us over and over again and we're struggling and we're trying to paddle for sure on our own and yet we're, or, or we're finding ourselves just floating in water or, or treading water, just trying to keep our heads above, uh, above, the, above the sea level. Because we're trying to do it on our own. And Jesus says, step out into this crazy storm. But when you step out, you're going to be with me and I'm going to hold your hand. This is what Peter does. He steps out onto the water because he realized, yeah, rowing for sure is not going to help me. I need to step out in faith. Three, we realize a simple thing that faith is simply taking the next step. Peter took one step and got out of the boat and then onto the water. Peter was doing just fine when he focused on the next step and got into trouble when he lost sight of the next step. Man, this is what Jesus called. This is a thing that we do all the time as humans. We find ourselves when we call and we say, God, hey, hey, just give me your path. And Jesus says, all right. And we step out of the boat. Hey, we, we stepped out. We take one step of faith and we start looking. And we do, all we're doing is, hey, hey, one foot in front of the other. I'm just going to follow the line. And then we, we start looking ahead. We start preparing for things that are the, un, for the unseen things already. We start looking and say, hey, what if I, what's going on down there? What's going on to the left? And what's going on to the right? And what happens is we lose focus on what really matters. It just seems that we get things out of sort. Listen, I have three children. I am in charge of 85 to 100, stu 85 to 100 students, 17 staff members, uh, volunteer staff members on our youth ministry staff. And uh, my wife works a full-time job. I work a full-time job. We have our kids and then our grandchild. Listen, we're, we're busy. We've always been busy. 
And there are moments in my lives where my wife, because I am a doer, I am a do, I'll go do whatever. If you ask me to do something, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it uh, even to the detriment of a lot of things around me. I'm a doer and I lose track of stuff. My wife sometimes needs to tell me, hey, stop. We need to refocus. Everything else is falling apart and you can't see it because you're doing so much. You need to spend some time with your kids. You need to spend some time with me. You need to spend some time trusting God. I, I found myself, there was a series of my, in my life, and I'm just going to be honest and transparent with you. I was busy doing ministry. I was reading God's word every day, but not for me, but for every other ministry that I was doing. I was teaching a Bible study. I was doing a, a, a men's group. I was doing youth ministry. I was doing everything. I was in God's word all the time, but I wasn't doing it for me. I, I had lost focus because I wanted to do and take care of all the things. And God was saying, hey, where's my time with me? How many of us are finding ourselves doing for everybody else and we haven't chosen and made God a priority for us, for us in our own lives, in our daily relationships with God? Is our, is our quiet time suffering? We shared the story of Daniel. The Daniel was at the time, over the weekend, we talked about Daniel. And at the time when Daniel was thrown into the lion's den, that he found himself, he was the king of all Babylon, the largest city and the largest country known to man at this time. And he was the king. He was second to the king at this time. And he was being promoted as well. And here, Daniel spent three times a day praying. If Daniel, who was at that moment, is so busy doing other stuff, but he took time and carved time out to spend time with God, this is why he began to grow. This is why he was promoted, because God was a priority in his life. Some of us need to get back to that understanding that God needs to be the first thing, the only thing. We have a thing in our youth group, and I shared it last, last night, that we have a thing that on a lot of stuff that we, 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 we wear, it says GFA, God first, always. Everything that you do, you put it through the, the filter of God first always, then what I have to do. God first always, then my homework. God first always, then my work. God first always, then my family. Peter found this really, he understood this moment that God first always, that it was the priority that he needed to have, that in order for him to take the next step, that he's, he needed to understand that God was first. But what happens is a lot of times in our lives, God is not first and we get out of sort and we begin to look and our lives begin to look different. Number four, faith unleashes the supernatural. Peter did not experience the supernatural power of God that allowed him to walk on water until he trusted as evidenced by his actions. God wants nothing more than to lavish his love and unleash the power of the Holy Spirit through us, but it starts with a willingness to surrender ourselves and our lives over to God over and over again. It doesn't happen one time that we say, God, take my life. It is a, we wake up every day asking for God as we surrender our lives, surrender our, our families to God and say, God, hey, your will, not mine. And that's a, as adults, it is a hard thing to say your will, not mine. Because, to be honest, we're a little selfish. I say that because, I, I say this not because I don't know this to be true, because I am selfish in my own life. 
but when I, relinqu when I relinquish control to the creator of the universe, it just seems to work out. But not on my time, but on his agenda, which sometimes I don't like. But being dependent on God is something that God calls for us because it grows us, uh, grows our relationship with him, trusting him. And it unleashes some things that I never thought that I could do. I stand here before you this morning and I say that I never thought that I'd ever be able to be here. Growing up, growing up I struggled with being very, very shy. I struggled with dyslexia. I struggled with reading and writing disorders that I never thought that I would ever be able to stand before anyone and be able to share. But I stand here as a testament of what God can do when you trust him. I stand here because I was embarrassed because I was adopted. I didn't understand that there were moments in my life where I felt where as a 13-year-old and a 14-year-old that I struggled with my own identity and my own, not only in my identity in Christ, but my identity as a person. Why didn't my parents love me enough to keep me as an adopted person? And I didn't see that. I only share this story because only recently in the last six months did I find my birth parents. And I found my birth father and I realized, oh my gosh, thank you, the Lord. <laughs> that 13-year-old boy was like, why didn't they love me? Well, because God knew who needed to love me. And, he, and here's the thing is that we need to trust that God's will for us is better than our will for ourselves. God reminds us, here's the thing, that in Hebrews 13, 5, God reminds us that, that we need to trust that he's going to be there. In Hebrews 5, it says this, keep your lives from, free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God said, I will never leave you, never will I forsake you. Here's number five, and I'm going to go really quickly. Fear will sink you. When Peter had a faith, he walked on water. When he had fear, he sank. The same is true for us. Fear will sink you. Many of, uh, many of us, our reason for stop trusting God is because we've been broken and hurt in the past, and we don't want it to happen in the future. So we'd rather not step out in faith, but we would rather sit in silence than step out in faith and proclaim the gospel because of what has happened in our past. God is calling you to realize that God's future is brighter than your past will ever be. But you have to trust him. Understanding that fear will hold you back, but yet God will move you forward and his love for you will move you in a different direction. It may not look the way that you planned, but it is the plan that God has for you. This is what happens with Peter, Peter finds himself sinking and he, he does something that he realizes that it, it, it's, one of the, it's one of the shortest prayers in all of the Bible, but it has such significant uh, uh, outcome is that he says, Jesus, save me, save me. This is a reliance on God. 
that without him, he, when he, Peter knows at that moment, he will perish. This is a prayer that we need to say every day. Jesus, save me. I can't do it by myself. Jesus, save me. And, and, and Jesus' response is not something that he sits back and waits it's in, the Bible says he immediately reached out and grabbed Peter and pulled him up out of the water and saved him. This is Jesus' response for you. Stop waiting and stop treading water trying to figure it out if you can do it on your own and be realizing that you are in desperate need of someone to save you out of the situation that you're in right now. Reach out and say, God, save me whether it's for the first time or the first time in a long time, whether it's the first time you said, okay, I've realized that I needed a savior, or it's the first time in a long time where you've been saying, I've been doing it my way, and I'm ready to be used by you, God. And in order for that to happen, I need to relinquish control and ask you to come save me. This is where God's calling us. And then the sixth thing that I said is Jesus says, uh, Jesus saves us from many things. Here's the thing. Jesus is going to save you from a lot. Jesus not only saved Peter from hell at that moment, but he saved him from drowning. Jesus uses this moment to teach us as parents and and teachers use this as a teachable moment. Jesus is using this unbelievable, gravity-defying miracle to teach Peter about trusting him that that will continue to help Peter throughout his life. This same one of lack of faith that the theologians really talk about of lack of faith in Matthew 16 and 18. This is Jesus' words, says to Peter, and I also say to you, Peter, on this rock, I will build my church. Lack of faith? Little faith? Jesus didn't think so. He says, I'm gonna build my church on you. He says, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not only saving you at this moment and pulling you out of the water. I'm saving you because my plan for you is to build my church using you. When we ask Jesus to save us, it's a dependency on God to do what he wants to do in our lives. This is what God's calling for us to do, to have a dependency on him. And when we say, Jesus, save me, we're saying, Jesus, I trust you to move me in the direction that you want me to move. We're saying to Jesus, all of you and none of me, which is a hard thing for us to say because we like ourselves. We like we do. We like what we do. We like our routines. But Jesus is saying, hey, I may be calling you out of your routine to do something for me. The story that we read is about Peter walking on water, not Matthew, not Mark, not Bartholomew, any, none of the other people that were in that boat, but Peter. Peter is calling us to step out into faith. What areas in your life is God calling you to step out into the faith? The thing is, you know it, and some of you have been ignoring it. Jesus has been calling you over and over, and you know it, and you've been systematically beginning to ignore him at those moments of those things because we know that it's going to be hard. We know that it's going to be a struggle and we don't like the struggle so we'd rather not go down that road. Jesus, is there any other way? And Jesus says, no, it's my way and my way. No excuses. Step out in the faith with me. Walk on the water with me. Jesus is calling you right now. 
what are you going to do? Number eight, you can either choose to worry or you can choose to worship him. There's a moment in your life where you're gonna choose where your life is going, where you're gonna sit and worry and you're gonna sit and struggle or you're gonna worship God in the middle of the storm where you're gonna pray to God in the middle of the storm or you're gonna tread water trying to figure it out yourself. Stepping out in faith means just that. You don't know believing without seeing and trusting that God's plan for you is a plan to prosper you. Jeremiah 29, 11 says a plan to give you a promise, to give you a plan and a future. Man, this is, this is God's promise for you. Are you willing to grab hold of the promises that God has given to you? Or are you gonna sit idly by and stay in a boat that's sinking? This morning, it's up to you what you're gonna do. My prayer is that you step out of the boat, step into a ministry that maybe you never thought you'd be a part of in this church, step into a conversation that you never thought that you could have, maybe with a family member that's not a believer or that have walked away from the church and you're too afraid to have that conversation because it's awkward. Be awkward for Jesus. Maybe it's with a coworker who has a bad mouth and swears at everything Every other word is something that you cringe at. Maybe it's a conversation with, hey, is there something going on in your life that you need to have something because you, you can't control your, your, your language? It may be with a parent or maybe with a child and you, need to, you don't want to have this conversation because it's going to be awkward. Step out into the boat. Step out of the boat and into a relationship with Jesus Christ where he's calling you to do something. It's today that Jesus is walking in the midst of a storm that we call America and he's calling you as fellow believers of Christ to step out into the boat, step out of the boat and into a relationship with him and into being able to proclaim the gospel in everything that you do. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we come today asking for us to be people who are not worried about the storm, but are worried about how we respond to you. God, we pray for us as a church, not only a church here at Bayshore, but the church in general, that God, we will be people who proclaim the gospel at every opportunity, that we will not back down from situations because it's uncomfortable, but we will embrace them God, we pray for this church that, God, that you will give us opportunities to meet the needs not only of our people, but this community. That people will know us not by our logo or our T-shirt, but they will know us on how we love those who are unlovable, how we love those people who are broken, and how we love those people who need a redeemer and a savior. God, call us to step out of the boat and be be those people. We pray these things in your name, amen.